Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? On today's episode, my special guest is Erez Agam. He has a book out and a really interesting website called Immigration to Berlin. And he also has a really interesting story with some tips on how he immigrated to Berlin. If anyone out there might want to do the same, but he has a really interesting story. And we're also going to talk about Easter foods from around the world. You know, in the United States, we have Easter baskets and we do the chocolate Easter bunnies and jelly beans and uh, chocolate Easter eggs. But there are some really interesting foods that are used to celebrate Easter all around the world. So stay with me and I'm going to share those. And also just a reminder to save the date, April 8th, I will be doing my virtual Italian Easter bread bake along and you can sign up for that on eventbrite.com. Easter is one of those few days of the year that I know my family does, um, finds it necessary to do a holiday dinner. And, uh, you know, we usually do a big holiday celebration on Easter and we have traditional foods and our own Easter meal or traditional Easter meal besides all the chocolate goodies (laughs) that we have to celebrate. You know, Easter is celebrated in so many different ways all around the world. I wanted to share with you some of those different foods that are used to celebrate Easter all around the world. Your Easter menu could be completely different from from someone else's across the world. And if you or your family are wanting to try something new this year, here's what people around the globe consider classic Easter dishes. Now, some of these I may not be pronouncing correctly because I I only speak three languages. I don't speak some of these other languages. So here we go. In Greece, there is a dish called Arni Sto Forno. Very few Easter meals are complete without lamb in some form in Greece. Served roasted, this lamb is completed by being served with extra ingredients such as potatoes, garlic, cloves, salt, and pepper, and rosemary. In the UK, this would be something I would like, and I do like these hot cross buns. While this sweet is an Easter requirement in many countries. The people of the United Kingdom were the original creators of it. These buns are often topped with currants or raisins, but you could honestly use whatever you like to top it. In Cyprus, there's a dish called flaones, also called cheese pies. And again, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. The process of making these treats starts on Holy Friday or Good Friday, which is the Friday before Easter and continue to be baked all throughout Holy Saturday. They are often filled with cheese, eggs, raisins, and mint fillings. Yum, that sounds really good. In Ecuador, we have a dish called finesca. This soup is only prepared for Easter, making it all the more special in the country of Ecuador. Several ingredients, including multiple vegetables and at least one type of codfish, go into this soup every year, bringing joy to Ecuador every year. In Russia, 
there's a dish called kulabiaka. This may take some time to cook, but it's well worth the wait. The dish translates to rectangular pie and is often filled with meat or fish. Create a design on top with a crust to make it even more festive this year. In Germany, we have Easter bunny brioche. Take a break from chocolate bunnies and create one out of dough this year. Creating these treats is both delicious and adorable, and they can either be made from scratch or pre-made dough. These dough bunnies are sure to make any child smile. In Italy, we have something called the Torta Pasqualina, and this is another Easter pie that's filled with herbs, cheese, and eggs. The perfect addition to any Easter feast. Add some soup or a salad to really make this pie pop. So you can have this soup really as an appetizer. I know I can remember going to my grandmother's house on Easter morning and she would have, she would pull out the Torta Pasqualina. We would have that. It's kind of like an appetizer while we just sat around and caught up. So Torta Pasqualina is, is really um, a very popular dish in Italy. In Poland, there's a dish called Mazurek. Having a dessert with your Easter feast is practically required. And from the type of dough to the type of filling, this Polish dessert can come in all shapes, sizes, and flavors. It's no wonder that this pastry is on many Easter menus in Poland. In Spain, there's a dish called La Mona de Pascua. What's one more dessert? This delightful cake signifies the end of Lent in Spain. It's most commonly created in the shape of a giant donut, and there's no right or wrong way to decorate it. So in the U.S., a lot of people do serve deviled eggs and... Uh, a lot of American families wouldn't dream of an Easter without deviled eggs. All you need to do to shape these tasty eggs is mayonnaise and mustard, some paprika, maybe a dash of salt, maybe even a little bit of black pepper, slice them down the middle and top them. That's all it takes. And hey, if you have a lot of colored eggs that are left over, don't know what to do with them, you can use them, open them up and make deviled eggs. I know that's one of the things we do in our house. So there you go. That's some dishes to help celebrate Easter and other inspirations that you might be able to use if you want to try a new dish this year for your Easter. And of course, as always, um, there are many other holiday recipes for all around the year in my book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, Holidays and Special Occasions, and my latest book that was just released, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diaries. It's, an, it's actually um, a new book and this one is subtitled Seasons. This is my culinary memoir book. So there are lots more recipes for Easter in that one. And you can find that right now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And we're here today. Uh, my special guest is really, he has a really interesting topic and it's a very unique, I think, topic or very unique book. And um, I have Arezagam. Uh, he's an author, but he's an expert on immigration specifically to Germany. And he wrote this interesting book, has an interesting blog 
on a lot of a lot of hidden tips and kind of secrets that people don't know, but it's such a timely topic. So I'm going to let him do most of the speaking today. Erez, thank you so much for being here. And what's the name of the book, just so people know? Thank you very much, Maria. I, uh, it's my pleasure to be here. The name of the book is Berlin's Immigration Secrets. There you go. So I guess we'll just start from the beginning. What, um, what gave you the idea or the, you know, to, to do this book on Berlin's immigration secrets? Well, you know, Maria, I, uh, I would like to explain because it's, uh, it's quite a, a long story. Yes. And that's why I'm, I would like to take you back into the 80s. Yes. Uh, 1980s, I, I was born in, in, in Israel, in the Middle East. And um, back then, you know, um, I always had this, this dream about living abroad from a very young age. I remember that I was always curious. Uh, I actually grew up on, uh, on American movies. So, you know, I was exposed to uh, a lot of American culture. And I actually, you know, when I grew up, when you say, when I say right now, Maria, immigration, what's the first thing that comes up in, in your mind right now? Well, that would be going from one country to another. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're fishing Yes, but for? a specific destination. Everybody thinks well, the about the US, U.S. Everybody thinks exactly. about the U.S. Exactly. I know my even, grandparents. Even right now. Yes. Even right now, if you go to Google and you type immigration, you see ads about green, uh, green card, about yes. U.S. media, yes. and so on. Yeah. So back then, you know, the so-called dream was was the U.S. It was yes. like the land of opportunity, land of yes. dreams. Furthermore, you know, it was uh, we we actually saw a lot of Hollywood movies. Yeah. And nobody even thought about other destinations back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you you guys had like chain migration in the sixties, seventies, eighties. It was fully open. Yes. Now things have changed, but back then it was the U.S. So uh -huh. I didn't actually knew what. Mm -hmm what is going to be my destination. But I, right. I, I was thinking about the U.S. because that was all of the information I had at that time. I see. So I, you know, I grew up and, you know, I was very, very curious. Now you gotta, you gotta understand that uh, it's not only that I had this, this dream, uh -huh. I grew up in a very, very political uh, area. I had, uh -huh. I, I, I was exposed to political tension, uh -huh. to, uh, you know, a lot of all of the, uh, the Middle Eastern heat, uh, yes. uh, the uh, the conflict and I I didn't I it's not the life that I wanted for myself you know uh -huh. uh, when when I thought about my future uh -huh. I knew that that I'm I definitely I definitely think that the politics should uh, should have solved this issue a long time ago people should have fixed that issue and um, and it's not the ideal place for me. You know, uh -huh. I didn't choose to live in a political area. I, I disagree with, with a lot of stuff. And, and it, it was kind of like the combination of, of me having this dream uh, actually don't uh, feel uh, the fact that I, I didn't uh, feel belong to my native country. In, in that oh, okay. Sense. So that I guess that was how you decided then to immigrate. And it sounds like most of the information which I know online to immigrate is for immigrating to America. So how yes. did you start finding the idea of going to Germany? Let's go. So I'll explain. I'll explain. Yes. Because as I mentioned, it's a long process. So as I yes. grew up, I didn't I, I didn't think about, you know, just pack up and leave. Right. It was kind of like a thing that I always had in me. 
Uh-huh. And then when I grew up, I, I had a desire to travel. Uh-huh. So I traveled into so many destinations out there. And then uh, the more I traveled, the more I was, uh, you know, open up to the world, the more, the more I experienced stuff. And then right. I reached a certain point and took responsibility, basically. You know, I, I uh-huh. sat down with myself, uh, Maria, and asked myself, okay, where do you see your future in, in the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. Do you still see yourself with your current environment? Uh, what, what is that you want to do? And then mm-hmm. this, this thing, those questions actually led me to immigrate. Uh-huh. And, and this, is, this is actually a critical step that I do recommend uh, for a- anybody uh, mm-hmm. who'd like, who would like, who's in a, in a, in a crossroad or, or thinking about doing something, uh-huh. sit down with yourself and ask yourself, plan your future, shape your life. It's, uh-huh. it's all about you, basically. Mm-hmm. So I then, you know, when I decided that I wanted to immigrate, I started to look uh, for for a destination. You know, the world uh-huh. is huge, as, as you may know. Yes. And we have so many destinations out there. It's 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 endless, basically. Yes. And the main reason that led me to to immigrate uh, to Germany, actually, I had I, I had four main reasons. So mm-hmm. the number one we- reason was the low cost of living and the apartment rent. I'm sure uh-huh. you know that that uh, right now in the U.S., uh, especially in cities like New York, uh, Los Angeles, the prices are very very high mm-hmm. regarding uh, a cost of living and 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 renting apartment. Yes. And uh, you know back then, you know now actually the prices in Berlin are going up, but but it's still considered to be reasonable if you compare it to other cities. Oh, okay. And uh, actually, I really like the fact that it's not fully industrial like other cities. Uh, uh-huh. you, there are a lot of green areas and, and you feel uh, different. You know, uh-huh. it's a different, more, more easygoing atmosphere. Uh-huh. So that was my number one reason uh, to immigrate. The second one was the fact that, you know, Germany is the, has the strongest economy in Europe. So uh, strongest economy means that you have employment stability, you have lots of options regarding jobs and regarding Uh businesses. So uh, I think that also you want to live in a a country that takes care of you. Uh, Actually, as, as as a resident or a citizen, you have lots of benefits from, from, from the government, which is uh, good. Uh, also, as I mentioned, you know, it, it combines a social economic model with a capitalistic one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good thing because, uh, you know, living in a 100% capitalistic country, huh? uh, it's not, it, there, eventually there will be gap between poor people and, and rich people. And I didn't want that, you know, I wanted uh-huh. more, uh, more, uh, equality, if, if I can uh, call it like this, you know, uh, you in the US, you tend to call it work-life balance. Uh-huh. That's the term that you use. Uh-huh. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at countries like uh, uh, Germany, Finland, Norway, Denmark, uh-huh. those countries. And this was very, very appealing for me because I wanted to get out of the race, you know, the, the, the whole of the, uh, I, I didn't want to work uh, a lot of hours and, and, you know, kill myself. Huh? So I, I wanted also to, to, to have, you know, to have a decent life, you know, if you can, uh, so like this. I guess so, what, I, so, what I want to do is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I want to make sure we tell. So tell us, so you decided to go to Germany. So tell us, I guess the first step you said, because I want people to kind of get an idea, get some ideas and tips from the short interview. So, so the first thing is sit down with yourself and, you know, kind of decide right on where you want to go. 
But are there, I know you had told me there were some secrets or tips or things like that. So are they for just the secrets and the things that you said, the information I know that you said people, it's not easy to find. So people are only gonna really find it in your book that has a lot of unique things. Any, can you give us some like quick tips or quick ideas that might be really helpful to people if somebody um, out there, my podcast is heard all around the world. So I have a feeling there are people in lots of other places, maybe not in the US, but lots of other places that may want to immigrate to Germany. So give us some tips and thing, and, and ideas. Um, absolutely, and, and, and absolutely. So this is this is where we are coming to the, uh, the third reason, right? which is actually going to be a big uh, hint for everyone. Uh-huh. Now, the third uh, reason, uh, actually I've been doing my research, my research, I found out that Germany has uh, a list of privileged countries. Uh-huh. Now, what do I mean by privileged countries? Uh-huh. Now, as you may know, Maria, if you live in Europe um, uh-huh. under the Schengen area, uh-huh. you can work all over, right? So a person from Finland who possesses uh-huh. a Finnish passport can come to Germany and work freely with no, right. no visa. Right. Exactly. And vice versa. Right. So those countries are fully open. So uh-huh. people tend to, to work, to move around. But mm-hmm. if you come out of the European Union, let's say that you do, you do not have a European passport, Mm-hmm. What should you do? So in this case, I actually found out that Germany has a, a privileged countries list. So uh, though, and, and those are the, the countries basically. Um, mm-hmm. So United States, Canada, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, United Kingdom now because of the Brexit, right. Japan, and South Korea. Now, what's so special about those countries? Mm-hmm. The thing is, if you are a citizen of those countries, you can come to Germany. Mm-hmm. Just go there uh-huh. and then once you find a job you can do the bureaucratic procedure from within uh-huh. so you can enter the country freely so mm-hmm. you don't have to possess a visa mm-hmm. uh, prior to your arrival I so you can just do what i did basically take a suitcase go and then once you set up a job you set up your 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 status and continue from there uh-huh so for me it was very appealing because i didn't want to do any bureaucratic procedure before prior to my arrival. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So this is a big hint for uh-huh. everyone. Actually, I, I, I meet a lot of Americans and Canadians and uh, sometimes they choose not the exact path for them. So they come to study because they think that this right. is the only option how they can stay, uh-huh. but they don't have to. If they mm-hmm. already gained experience and they, they want to, to, to work immediately, they can uh-huh. just come and apply for jobs. Okay. So they don't have to spend like two or three years in, in the university, hmm. which can shorten their, their process. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the uh, the other reason uh, why I immigrated was, uh, believe it or not, my desire to learn a new language. Uh-huh. So, and this is why I didn't choose uh, an English-speaking country. Uh-huh. Because I wanted to experience new culture, new mm-hmm language uh, i want to learn a new language and actually uh i enjoy the process really uh-huh. uh, very well and uh yeah i mean i've done it with fun and i like it now i can focus on more hits on more hints if, yeah if you, like. you can tell us some quick um tips and things but i was going to say i think if anything i love the idea of um because that that is i i before the pandemic and all i was always traveling 
Um, and I know the one thing I loved about traveling is experiencing, of course, I, I did study to be a linguist, so I love languages, but I love the experiencing of different cultures and different languages. So I think that's definitely a really interesting idea, you know, to, to get to experience and learn a different language, a different culture, and make sure that you immerse yourself in the culture of whatever country, you know, you choose to immigrate to to get the full experience. But yes, give us some, um, we, we just have a couple minutes left. So just give us if you have any quick tips or things like that, um, for somebody that is listening that might want to immigrate to say Germany. So the biggest tips right now is, uh, as I mentioned before, sit down with yourself, see that this is really something that you want to do, because this is a life changing experience. You right. know, immigration is not like a temporary uh, movement or, or a relocation. This is something that you know that will change your life, your life forever. So take right. it seriously. Right. Understand that the journey is not going to be easy. And also uh, come with saving. Uh, mm-hmm. Prepare yourself financially because mm-hmm. you don't know how long it's going to take you to find a source of income once you're there. Yeah. You know, things tend to change really, really fast. So you may have some unexpected uh, expenses you don't know. So come with savings. And uh, the, another hint that I, I would like to, uh, to state is the fact that understand that this is a long process. Understand mm-hmm. that you got to prepare yourself mentally as well. Mm-hmm. So understand that this is a, a process that if you do it, uh, if you fully focus in that process, you will succeed. If you take it step by step, you will succeed. Mm-hmm. Don't try to accelerate it. Just mm-hmm. try to immerse yourself and, and mm-hmm. you know, just live, live it. Just, you know, understand that it's, it's, it's there, it's with you and just take it one step at a time. This is, this is my, uh, another tip that I would like to, uh, to give to the audience. Yes. And the most difficult part will be to step out of your comfort zone, especially uh-huh. if you if you're married, if you already have kids. Mm-hmm. I, I find that uh, people with families tend to live their routine life. They're more attached to their native countries. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's going to be even harder for them. Right. Now, if you have a family, sit uh-huh. down with your family and make sure that this is a decision that you uh, you make with them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak with your wife, speak with your kids, decide together. Because uh-huh. the last thing that, that you want to do is, is to have arguments in, in the future. So you want yeah. to, uh, to share with them uh, uh-huh. your, your desire and, and you want to see what they think about it. Exactly. exactly. Now, now for me, because I've done it on my own, I didn't have to consult with anyone. Exactly. And, you know, because I'm a, I'm a lonely wolf, I, uh-huh. I like to, uh, to do things on my own. I actually done things pretty fast so I had no interruptions but it really depends on your character you know some people uh, like to do it together some people like myself uh, like to do it alone and and you can do it yes so I think it's really sounds like almost anything else if it's something you really want to do be patient it's hard work but it could be worth it you know when it's fine when it's finalized but you need to be patient and uh spend some time working on it. It's, it's not something that comes easy. It, you know, there's some, sounds like there's some work to it, just like anything else. So Eras, um, we're kind of out of time, but tell us, so tell everyone where they can find this really interesting book and your website also. Of course. So once again, the book is called Berlin's Immigration Secrets, available on Amazon. 
You can purchase both the Kindle, the Kindle version or the paperback uh, version. Uh, my website is uh, immigrationsecrets.net. Uh-huh. Uh, in case you, uh, you like to immigrate or you have interest in, in immigration, feel free to reach me out, to reach out. I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn as well. Erizagam. You uh-huh. can ask me anything. I will give you free consultations. You don't have to pay anything uh, to lawyers or anything like that. Save yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, this uh, time and money. And uh, I, the, the most important thing for me, Maria, is to uh-huh. help others. Uh-huh. Because I know that somebody is listening right now. Uh-huh. Maybe he, he's a young man or she's a young woman and they have this dream and uh-huh. they want to immigrate. You know, uh-huh. it's not an easy, an easy thing to do. You know, people right. tend to dream about pa- uh, pastor, greener uh, pastures. Um, greener pastures. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... But the hardest part is, is to make the first step. And yes. I think that if you really, really had a desire to do it, you can achieve it. And, mm-hmm. and if you do have a dream, then this podcast is for you right now. This, this is for the, 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 the 20% who will leave their native countries to the uh-huh. battle sword. This, this yes. is for them. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, I think, you know, as I said, I just find it very interesting um, it's a really interesting topic, especially today. Um, and um, great. So we can find your book, your website, and also people can reach you on LinkedIn, as you said, if they have any qu- other further questions or anything or, or might need a little bit of assistance also. So um, thanks so much, Arizagam, for being here. And who knows, maybe we'll have you back in the future also for any any follow-ups or anything. Thanks again. It was my pleasure, Maria. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Maria Liberati Show. And thanks, as always, to my producer, Britton Roselle, and this week's guest, Erez Agam. And don't forget, save the date for my traditional Italian Easter bread bake-along on April 8th. And you can sign up for that on eventbrite.com. And also look for my new book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diaries. This one is subtitled Seasons. And it's my culinary memoir with lots and lots of recipes. And as always, you can find the rest of my book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, Holidays and Special Occasions, and The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, Da Vinci Style, and all the other books in the series at marialiberati.com and at artoflivingprimamedia.com on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and anywhere books are sold. And you can find me again at marialiberati.com at thebasicartofitaliancooking.com, on Twitter at Maria Liberati, on Facebook at Chef Maria Liberati, on Instagram at Maria Liberati, on Pinterest at Maria Liberati, on LinkedIn at M Liberati, on the Maria Liberati channel on YouTube, and on my Roku channel, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati. Until next time, peace, love, and pasta.